Hey folks, thanks for tuning into this week's Stacker Chat, your weekly update on all things Stacks. My name is Gina Abrams, and I'm joined by Muni Wali, founder of Stacks. Stacks is smart contracts for Bitcoin, and Stacks mainnet launched earlier this year. Thanks for being here, Muni, to kick things off today with the question of the day. Um, are there any games that you like to play, um, or are there any games you've spent a lot of time playing in the past? Uh, I used to be a pretty uh, big fan of Counter-Strike. This is during my undergrad days. Uh, actually, almost like uh, started competing in different tournaments. Like we had an entire team. Uh, I was actually the sniper on the team. Um, and I've I, I wasted, let's just say, a lot of sleepless nights uh, playing Counter-Strike with my friends. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Um, well, it seems like this week you've been diving deeper into the NFT realm, um, specifically NFTs on Bitcoin via Stacks. Um, what has been standing out and inspiring you lately in the space? Yeah, I think this weekend, I think it was maybe late night on Saturday or Sunday morning, I kind of like discovered the NFT corner of our ecosystem. And it was really fascinating to see. Like, uh, I discovered like some artists uh, who were trying to get in touch with me and basically were like, hey, check out like the things that we have built. And that led me to discovering a bunch of different, uh, almost like stores that people have built. Uh, so there's like Stacks Art, there's stxnft.com. And um, I was like very, very surprised, like pleasantly surprised by how organic all of this was. Like uh, these developers are building things uh, I've never, you know, talked to them before. I don't even know who they are. Uh, I don't think they're part of the Stacks uh, accelerator for the most part. I know that there are some teams or that are building marketplaces that were part of the cohort one, but I think uh, some of these teams are, are developers that seem completely independent and just just doing it uh, on, on their own, which is which is a very healthy sign, uh, uh, if you'd ask me. And then I think there are these artists who are showing up and they are having these drops and people are are, are buying up the artwork, right? Or uh, it's, it's, it's like, that's how it starts. But I know NFTs are much, much more uh, than just kind of like digital art, but it's obviously starting in the more traditional sense of like people are creating all the, all these different uh, uh, digital art type of NFTs and people are kind of like doing that. So I uh, one thing led to another, I started surfing around, I started, uh, even buying a few things and it was the experience was pretty cool like using the hero wallet uh tried out different marketplaces uh different collections as well and trying to see like what people are doing and then i think over uh this was sunday like around brunch time like i'm, I'm sitting somewhere and i see uh that there's a drop happening by a 12 year old kid uh, i think his uh, dad is into bitcoin and probably introduced him to stacks or something where uh, the kid made these like bitcoin birds right and um within like 30 minutes the nft basically just sold out and uh next morning uh, i'm reading this analysis that uh that 12 year old has made like eight thousand dollars uh with the bitcoin birds and that's just this is amazing to see right like given that um you know none of the there isn't like a big push in the ecosystem right now in this direction uh, but it's all very organic. And that uh, basically, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about this a little bit earlier as well, that for me, NFTs are all about uh, strong ownership and uh, provenance, right? So you want to see when something was minted, you want to see who bought it, 
when the transaction happened uh, and, and so on. And that, that's how kind of like the artwork world. And obviously there's no better uh, source of ownership and provenance than Bitcoin itself, right? And even, even in terms of durability, like, do you want to create your NFTs on a blockchain that may or may not be around like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? We know that Bitcoin has the best probability of being around in, in the crypto space. So for, for if you think about like Bitcoin as money, like BTC, the same arguments what make uh, Bitcoin a really good store of value and a really good sovereign money, uh, you can just directly apply all those arguments one-to-one on NFTs and why NFTs on Bitcoin actually make more sense, right? So that was that was that was really interesting to see that uh, that idea is resonating with people, like it clicks with people, and they are organically kind of like coming around and doing doing interesting things. Obviously, um, you know we know about the current uh, network capacity and and uh, what what type of works are in the pipeline. Uh, for for example, you know with the with the next upgrade with some of these cost functions and. and uh, and optimizations to the MARF implementation, which MARF is like the uh, the input output uh, uh, structure that is used by a lot of clarity contracts. Uh, we know that you know we can see potentially maybe up to like 10x improvement in network capacity, and then obviously long term we would have like more things like subnets or uh, app chains for further scalability. But even with the current state of uh, uh, the network, like it's amazing to see that it's actually being used. In a, in a very organic way. And that was, that was just awesome to see. Absolutely. And we'll put some links down below where people can check out some of these projects. Um, and I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into this concept of, of Bitcoin NFTs and what that really means. Um, so could you dive a little bit deeper into essentially like what information is recorded on the Bitcoin chain and um, sort of the, the longevity guarantees through this? Yeah, so Bitcoin actually has a very long history with NFTs. Um, NFTs literally originated on the Bitcoin chain. Uh, people should look up this project called uh, Counterparty. Uh, so think of Counterparty as like an early, early version of something like Stacks, but it was pretty limited because it was directly building on the Bitcoin layer one. Right? So uh, it's as slow as Bitcoin's transactions. It has very little space for um actually expressing anything you are only using uh, kind of like you know bitcoin outputs in unique ways or off returns and so it's, it's like a fairly uh limited type of a system but it was around in like 2015 and so and uh we had uh, the thing called rare pepes uh in probably i think if my memory serves me right maybe some somewhere around 2016. Uh, so that's when nft started uh, and uh, I do think Ethereum deserves credit for taking them to more mainstream. Uh, and it's not just Ethereum. I, I know that uh, people at Dapper Labs and uh, Flow have done a, done a lot of work here as well. And they've definitely helped like take NFTs mainstream, but they really originated on Bitcoin. And I think uh, Bitcoiners uh, especially uh, should be like very proud of the fact that you know this really big innovation actually came from the Bitcoin ecosystem. And that's where it started. Over time, because of you know smart contracts make uh, NFTs much easier to implement. Uh, like you're trying to do minting, you're trying to kind of like uh, do all sorts of like functionality. For example, you want to have some percent of the resales uh, go to the artist or go to some sort of a cause as a, as a nonprofit. Uh, you can do all those things uh, with smart contracts. Right? So that's why they make more sense 
in full smart contract platforms like Ethereum, like like Flow. But now Stacks is kind of like bringing that functionality back, back, uh, back to Bitcoin. Right. So sometimes I like to think of that as like NFTs are coming back home. And and interestingly, uh, sometimes it's like literally the case, right? Like where uh, Satoshiables and NFT launch on Ethereum, they're now trying to launch a, a version of it on uh, on Bitcoin through Stacks, which is which is amazing to see. So in terms of like technically, uh, so imagine if counterparty could have NFTs uh, without any of the smart contract functionality and without any additional layers then NFTs are really technically very easily possible on Bitcoin. Like, there isn't a lot uh, to an NFT from a technical uh, implementation perspective, right? But the way it works on Stacks is that you can have an expressive smart contract, a clarity contract that defines what the NFT is and uh, what the minting is going to look like. And, you know, people are trying to send transactions to mint. But the minting is really happening at a Bitcoin block, right? So every... NFT, you can uh, uh, basically search for the Bitcoin block at which it was it was uh, minted. And I think that's very important for strong ownership and provenance of the NFT long term. And then uh, all transactions in a Stacks block automatically get hashed to Bitcoin, right? So if you did a, uh, let's say, transfer of an NFT, you can actually go and look up like which Stacks block it was packaged in, uh, what was the transaction that uh, that packaged it, and what is the hash on Bitcoin for that? And for for strong ownership guarantees, I think these things are very important, right? Because someone can independently verify just by looking at a hash on Bitcoin or just by verifying the information that was in a Bitcoin block that this is how it was minted, this is how it was transferred. And this is just base level stuff that is already uh, kind of like online and uh, and people can people are using it today. And then I think there are some things that are more at the pipeline. I was talking to some developers where you can actually do auctions of these NFTs with just pure Bitcoin transactions uh, because Stacks has interesting ways of doing native swaps from uh, Bitcoin to assets on the Stacks layer. So people can basically go directly from Bitcoin into an NFT, just purchase it directly, which would, I think from a user experience perspective, like that would uh, really uh, make the users feel like, yeah, this is, this is what native NFTs on Bitcoin feel like because I'm just doing a simple Bitcoin transaction I am getting my asset. The asset is represented in the hash on Bitcoin. Any transfers are represented on hash. And you could even own these things on a Bitcoin address. Like that that requires a little bit more tooling and, and work, uh, but it's entirely possible. And that, and, and in many ways, that's what Stacks is designed for. Right? Like this close connection with Bitcoin, uh, ability to do like these swaps. Uh, this, is, this is in many ways uh, what Stacks was meant to do, right? So this is a very clear application of building things on Bitcoin where you never want to write too much data to the Bitcoin chain because otherwise that would be kind of like spam on the main chain. So we are only doing hashes uh, on, on the Bitcoin side. And then if you want to have it, the experience of like just using Bitcoin, like making it productive and you're buying some asset directly using Bitcoin on the main chain, you can certainly do that with these uh, Bitcoin NFTs uh, through stacks. Very cool. I feel like NFTs have been um, sort of all the rage lately, but it feels like we're just at the very beginning of sort of the first inning here. There's so much more to come. Um, and I think we'd be remiss not to discuss the outage this week of Facebook and Instagram. Um, and can you talk a little bit to sort of the power of decentralized systems um, and their resiliency uh, sort of in contrast to, to what we saw? Yeah. So I think... Um... 
it was it was uh, I, I feel bad for the engineers at Facebook who had to like deal with it. Actually, I know it could be very very stressful, and so many like millions or billions of users are are basically suddenly like knocked offline. Uh, but from a uh, so there there are two sides to it, right? Uh, let me first wear my uh, computer scientist hat. Like I've been doing research work in computer networking before, kind of like entering crypto. And what happened was like a pretty much like a very classic uh, DNS uh, or you know uh, BGP. BGP is is is, uh, is a, a protocol, pretty much like deep in the internet stack. Like think of that as like the internet is literally a network of networks, and BGP is the protocol that connects these networks together. Right. And the error was actually not really like a Facebook thing. Uh, it was a BGP thing. And, and what uh, what happened is uh, these uh, these networks they, they announced their routes to the rest of the internet uh, by basically saying like here's how you can breach uh, like my network. And what it seems like is uh, Facebook and Facebook also owns WhatsApp, Instagram. Facebook basically stopped announcing these routes to the rest of the uh, to the rest of the internet. Right, and I, I haven't read up on like what exactly caused it, but that is what it looked like from the outside, and it took a very long time uh, for Facebook to come back online. Like meaning that you know Facebook.com wouldn't be able to resolve into any IP address, and all of Facebook's infrastructure is literally behind their their mega network, right? And and their entire mega network is effectively disconnected from the rest of the internet at that point, and and and, and DNS is not working. DNS is not resolved. Uh, so that was that was what was going on at a, at a high level, which actually reminds me of a, a case study uh, that we had in grad school, where something similar happened uh, in Pakistan. And that case study was especially interesting to me, given I grew up in Pakistan. Where uh, what happened was the Pakistani government was trying to ban YouTube, and they were trying to ban YouTube by announcing a fake IP address for YouTube. Right. So if if traffic is going to YouTube. Uh, they were pretending that, hey, we are actually YouTube, and then it's like a black hole, right? But they started announcing those fake routes to the rest of the world and took down YouTube. Uh, and that was a very interesting kind of like, you know, uh, case study for how a malicious uh, party on the internet can announce these fake routes and take, take down like certain networks and so on. But Facebook kind of like did the same thing, but to themselves, right? Uh, so that's, that's, that, that was like a, uh, the, the 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 previous case study is from like 2007 or, or something like that. People can look it up. It's pretty fascinating to see how the internet kind of like works, uh, like under the hood, and when BGP and DNS is kind of like related. But, but now stepping back to the new decentralized, you know, Web three. Um, the interesting thing is like networks like uh, Bitcoin actually do not rely on on DNS. Right, so uh, all these peers, like they they uh, they connect to each other at the IP level, and you're actually not dependent on DNS. If anything, uh, we have the .BTC domains, right, uh, in in our ecosystem, which resolve on a blockchain, and they don't rely on the federated DNS system at all. Right? Uh, so interestingly, if uh, if if you know the use of .BTC names, or in the Ethereum world, is the .dot .dot uh, ETH names and, and so on. Like they become more uh, widely used. Uh, people just need a copy of the blockchain to be able to resolve this. They don't need to actually connect to 
uh, to DNS servers, and, and they're typically federated, but people will cache copies uh, in different places and, and so on. So that, that's one part of it. But I think the mega point here is most, most, uh, most of us on a day-to-day basis uh, just take it for granted like how we're using services from centralized companies. Because these companies are so good, they've hired like, you know, some of the best engineers to work on their infrastructure and their infrastructure is so reliable. Uh, and and in, in some ways, there is a trade-off, right? Like uh, in, in some ways, there are certain things that are easy to do in a centralized way. So they're able to be a, this gigantic, almost like a monopoly and people are just using their services and they don't even think about it that much. And I think it's moments like these, even though these errors were really caused by like underlying internet infrastructure than than like Facebook's internal uh, systems, but still it made people realize like oh oh my god like you know like half of the internet is down right and I I can't talk to my friends and uh, it, it suddenly this this uh, monopoly of a company that is everywhere uh, their presence kind of like becomes more real right and and you, you start thinking at least for a moment that how much of your life is dependent on this this uh, this this company and how much power it really has on people and obviously uh, it shines a bright light on on the work that all the app developers are doing in the crypto industry because we are building much much better alternatives uh, to to the old kind of like you know web, web 2 type of world Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, for everyone who is enjoying this video, definitely make sure that you are subscribed to the Hero YouTube channel so that you will continue to be update, uh, updated on everything that's happening. Um, and yeah, we love questions and feedback. So let us know in the comments below or on Twitter. Thank you so much, Muneeb. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much. Now I'm going to go and see what, what other interesting NFTs I can buy today. <laughs> oh, very cool.